If you had one thing that you wanted God to teach you, what would it be? I posted that on Facebook, and several people, including people within this congregation, ended up sharing some responses. And there were a number of them, I think about 20 or so, and people were saying that they wanted to ask God to teach them to pray. They wanted to uh, ask God to teach them to forgive, to be patient. Uh, I don't know if I'd ask for that, you know, uh, but, but just a number of different things that people wanted God to teach them. And it was really interesting and really helpful to see that. And there are others that may come to mind for you that, that you wish God would teach you. Lord, please teach me how to handle my finances. Please teach me how to do this and that and the other. The reality is that we all have plenty to learn from God. When Jesus was on this earth, there were 12 men that followed him faithfully everywhere he went. They, they, they lived together, they, they walked together, they listened to his teaching, they watched him do miracles, they watched him do all sorts of different things. And they could have come to him with a number of things and said, Lord, I want you to teach me how to do this. And yet there was only one thing that is recorded in scripture that they said that they wanted him to teach them. Luke chapter 11 verse 1 says that the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I mean, stop and think about that. They had seen him cast out demons. They had watched him multiply food so that 5,000 could be fed, 5,000 men could be fed, not including women and children. And then on another occasion, another 4,000, they, they watched him raise the dead. And yet they came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. You see, they had watched him. Because every time different things started taking place, and even though Jesus carried out a very, very busy and full ministry throughout, the entire, uh, throughout his entire time on this earth, they would still watch him, and over and over again in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they would see him go off into a solitary place and pray. And they definitely saw the connection between the power of his ministry and the impact of his prayer life. As he communed with the Father and as he would be able to say, I do nothing of my own. I do it only by the Father's will. He was totally, totally connected with God. David Butts, the president of Harvard, Harvest Prayer Ministries, says that the church in our country has no longer made prayer a priority. He's written a book, and, and he says that it is a forgotten power in churches across the land. And I know, folks, that when it comes to prayer, every single one of us have plenty of room to grow in that area. Can I get an amen on that? We know that because we allow the busyness and other pressures to crowd out who we need most in life. But as we look at our core exercises, our core values as our church, the number two core value that we have written down is that prayer is our power source. 
It is our ultimate way and our only way to be able to fully engage with God. And ultimately, it will allow us to engage meaningfully with others as well. Now, we're coming into the Christmas season, and I can imagine that those of you who have kids or grandkids know that your kids are starting to pray some prayers. God, I really want this. And you, maybe you've asked them, what do you want for Christmas? And they start praying, and they say, God, please help Santa to bring me this. And you smile, and you think, oh, isn't that cute? And maybe you even take a selfie with them, or whatever the case may be. But the reality is that many of us in our lives never grow out of that. And we kind of view God as being our personal genie. God, I want this. God, please give me this. God, I want this. And far too often, our prayers are anemic because we have too much focus on our needs and our selfish desires. James gets downright personal when he says in James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, that you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You see, the bottom line is that we fail to pray for those things that matter most to God. And we fail to engage with him. Prayer is what God uses to call us into community with himself. And it's also what he uses to call us into community with others. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And I want us to read this passage if you, if you uh, want to look at that as we go along. But I want us to read this passage together. And I'd like for you to read it out loud with me, okay? This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You know, we, we have that passage of Scripture. Many of us have it memorized. We've said it in churches. We know it by heart. And yet a lot of times they, those words are very, very meaningless to us other than something that we do in church. But this passage of Scripture talks about, very personally, about what it means to be in community with God. And community with God is based on relationship. And it starts out by saying, Our Father in heaven. Father. Father. And I realize that as I say that word, some of you are reacting in a negative way because you've had experiences with your dads that have been far less than ideal. Maybe you wish you had a close relationship with your father. 
And on the other hand, there are others of us who have experienced great relationships with our dads. And we've been blessed by them in so many different ways. And it's been very, very special. But this passage of Scripture tells us that God wants to be our father, our daddy, in the best sense of the word. He wants to have a special relationship with us. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, you find that at the end of the day, prior to sin coming into the world, Adam and Eve would walk in the cool of the day in the garden. And there they would meet God and he would walk with them as a father would walk with his children. And that is the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us and he makes possible because of what Jesus has done for us. But community with God is also based on worship. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. It's a life that is focused on honoring the name of Jesus both in the times that we have together to sing, as we just did, to pray, to listen to the Word, but also to live for Him throughout the week. Folks, if we live, if we wear the name Christian, we wear the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray that we never take that too lightly. Because we don't want to dishonor His name by our actions. We don't want to dishonor his name by our attitudes or even by our thoughts. And sometimes we do. Don't do the things that you would be ashamed of if Jesus were to walk in your situation as you are performing it. Honor him by living for him at all times. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service of worship. And when you are at work, and when you are serving God with all of your might in your work, you are sacrificing to him. You're saying, Lord, I'm yours, and I'm going to live for you in this situation just as much as I live for you on Sunday morning, and I praise. We live to honor him outside of these walls as well as inside. And that special community with God also is based on surrender. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A lot of times when we think of the kingdom of God, we think of the kingdom that's going to come. You know, the one that heaven and that kind of thing. But his kingdom is here right now. His kingdom is represented by every single one of us in this room who wear the name of Jesus Christ. His kingdom is expanding and light is being shared in the midst of darkness. And yet a lot of times we end up thinking, oh, well, that's just future. But right now I've got my will and my kingdom that I need to build. I need to build a name for myself. But true surrender and a true sense of living actually comes when we surrender our wills and we say, not my will, as Jesus said, but yours be done. And when we reject the little kingdoms that we're trying to build for ourselves and we focus building on his, that's when special moments start taking place. 
Folks, I, w- I wish I could stand before you and tell you that I have a great prayer life and that I pray three hours every day. I don't. There are times just like you. When I get up in the morning and I start rushing through the day, oh no, I forgot this. Oh no, I forgot that. And, and I forget to pray. But each time that I do, I know that I am powerless without him. And during those times, without prayer, it's so easy to focus more on my will rather than God's and make prayer more about me rather than God. You see, community with God is based on relationship and it's based on worship and surrender. And one of the ways in which we surrender is when we surrender to God's provision. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. Not the retirement accounts that we end up building so that we can be self-sufficient and almost forget God in the process. No, we ask him to provide for our needs now, today. I'm not speaking against saving money. Please don't misunderstand me. But daily, we need to go to God and ask him to provide for our needs and not switch our allegiance in the process. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 says, I've learned the secret to be content in all circumstances. And that comes only when we surrender. But we also need to surrender to God's forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As people shared responses on the question that I posted on Facebook, many said that they would like for God to give them patience. (laughs) Sometimes that can be very, very painful, let me tell you. I've been there. I know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's so necessary. But the second thing that people asked for was, Lord, I would like for you to teach me how to forgive. That was the second most popular. Sometimes it's forgiving ourselves and asking God to remove the guilt from us that we feel so constantly. But most of the time, it's forgiveness of others. It's forgiveness of others. And when it comes to that, folks, we need to understand that God's forgiveness was never intended to be kept for ourselves only. He intended for us to pay it forward. Finally, there's a need to surrender to God's protection. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Can you agree with me that this world is filled with a whole bunch of temptations? You probably had some this morning. Maybe you wanted to lash out at your kid. Maybe you did. Or maybe you found yourself saying something that you shouldn't have said. Or maybe you talked about somebody that you shouldn't have talked to, talked about. Maybe you screamed and said, and did an obscene gesture at a driver that cut in front of you. 
A lot of times we end up doing those kinds of things and we're tempted to do it on a fairly constant basis. There's the temptation to attack and to say hurtful things on social media. And many of our temptations are easily seen, but there are some that, that we face and that we succumb to that if anybody else knew about them, we would die. And the reality is that we can't overcome them alone. So we ask the Lord to help us by the power of His Spirit, to help us resist, to help us overcome. A few minutes ago, we just celebrated the Lord's Supper together. And when we partake of the bread and of the juice, we celebrate true community with God because of what he has done through Jesus and the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. And we celebrate just like the song said, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And in a sense, in a spiritual sense, we find ourselves sitting at the table of God and enjoying lunch with him. And he says, let me give you something meaningful. Something that will nourish your soul. I give you Jesus, who died for you. Who lives for you. Who is coming again for you. And you're able to have the greatest feast that, there ever, that ever was invented with the simplicity of two simple emblems. And that opportunity of being alive in Christ means living in community with God now and also in, eter in eternity. It, it, he enables us to forgive and has, as he has forgiven others. He enables us to trust in his provision on all things and to help us overcome temptation so that we can model Jesus as fully devoted followers of his. Sometimes, however, stuff comes at us as waves, and trials come, difficulties arise, and things happen that make us wonder if God is really there, if he's listening at all. And yet God seems to allow those trying times to mold us, to refine us, to help us to rely on him more. And when we worship God in prayer, and we see ourselves with our failures and all covered by his amazing grace. We're far less judgmental of people. When we focus on ourselves and our sinfulness, we're far less judgmental of others. Instead of talking about others and what their weaknesses and failures are, how far from God they are compared to us, God-honoring prayer focuses more on the greatness of God and our gratitude for his grace because without him, we are nothing. And that's what wonderfully leads us into community with each other. I think that one of the things that those who have been veterans of this, in this church and anywhere else really appreciate is that generally speaking, and I know that there are exceptions and there were probably conflicts and everything like that, you knew who had your back right? You were part of a platoon, you were part of a battalion, and you knew that every man there had your back. 
And when veterans do get together with their old buddies and their old cronies, they, they, have, they have a sense of camaraderie because they knew that the other person was willing to put their life on the line for them. For them. And that creates community. Folks, that's what the church is supposed to be. At the end of the prayer, Jesus talks about forgiveness. And he says that the relationship of our forgiveness of others affects God's forgiveness of us. Our community with God is dependent on our community with others. Nowhere is community more expressed vividly than in our willingness to forgive others just as God has forgiven us. And what we pray for ourselves, we also need to pray for other people. And when we're praying for others, we have a hard time hating them or dismissing them from our minds, as is often the case. We're forced to see people more as God sees them. Prayer always precedes action. Prayer always moves us to love. And it motivate us, motivates us to move in community. We're never, ever created to live in isolation, but we're, to, we're called to live together with others. You see, as prayer is offered transparently to God, we also try to model transparency with, other, with each other. To be open and honest about life. We're imperfect travelers sharing in this life journey of knowing Jesus, of learning of him and following him. I love our worship times here. Can I get an amen on that? It's stirring. I love coming here because our worship times call us individually and collectively to connect with God. But folks, I want to tell you something, and I'm going to tell you this very honestly, not because I'm the preacher, and not because I want to see large numbers in this building. But if you end up missing, you need to know that you are missed. Because all of us matter to God, and none of us is unimportant to other people. And if you miss, our community suffers. If you miss in presence, if you miss in service, if you miss in stewardship or witness, our church is far, far less than it can be. The writer of Hebrews goes so far as to say, and let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. We have 10 to 12 life groups here at, at Mechanicsville Church of Christ with others starting soon. And if you want to be a part of one, I want to encourage you to see Will at the conclusion of our service and talk to him about how you can be connected in a life group. We have groups for couples, for families, for uh, ladies groups that meet through the week and the weekend. We have a men's prayer breakfast that meets on the third Saturday of each month. And beginning in January uh, 2019, on January the 10th, which isn't that far away, we're going to meet and have a men's group that I'm going to lead. 
And it's going to meet at 7 a.m. at Marty's for breakfast, for fellowship, for service, for learning. And guys, if you want to be a part of that, you're invited. I'd love to fill that place up with a bunch of guys who are hungry for the word. Community means being open and transparent about who we are. And what our needs are, as well as our joys and our struggles. Community means becoming together what we could never be alone. And we're stronger in community, and we can accomplish far more for Jesus Christ than we could individually. If you missed our Church Has Left the Building event on October 21st, you missed a tremendous, tremendous experience. Because we not only gathered here to worship together for a few moments, but then we took off and we went to a variety of different places. And the, and the church went out and they served. They served in different places and, and the community was impacted by it. People were touched by it. And while we do that, and we may end up paying it forward at Starbucks or a variety of different other places and do it individually in a, in a variety of other places, there is power in doing it together. There is power in that. A closeness develops in the group. And the collective witness speaks volume to the world. Somebody who could tell you about community is Janice Wilson, and she's sitting right back there, back in the back. Janice had a tree fall on her a couple of months ago, a few months ago, and it broke both of her legs, one of which required surgery. And after several weeks in the hospital, she went home, but she needed some very intensive help because she couldn't get around by walking. And her life group came to her rescue. And they showed up and they built a, a ramp so that she could get in and out of her house and go to doctor's appointments and therapy appointments through, on a wheelchair. They also fixed meals and they did shopping for her. They even helped her wash her hair and clean the house. And Janice is here. And she's walking, right? With a cane. And if you were to talk to her, she would rave about her life group far, far more than I did, just did. And I'm so proud of that life group. Because that's what the church is supposed to be. Because true community is life-impacting and transforming. In true community, we find relief from loneliness. We find strength to overcome temptation, encouragement in stressful times, comfort in discouragement and grief, help in difficulty, joy in shared victory. And in community, we do life together. We share victories as well as struggles. We pray for each other. We pray as, and, and rejoice in transformation. So often we look at faith being personal. It's just about me and God. But in reality, it is lived around others, and it's for others, and with others. And maybe you need to learn more about what we believe as a church in order to belong to this community. 
We want you to know that we offer periodic classes called Discovering MCC, but also our staff is more than ready to and willing to sit down with you and talk to you individually. Maybe you need to talk about where you stand with your relationship with Jesus or your need for baptism. And we want you to know that our elders and our, 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 our ministers are more than ready to sit down and talk with you through, about that. Maybe you need prayer. I'm grateful that I see pockets of people at different times in our church who are simply stopping and they hear about a need and, and somebody says, I, I've got this, and, and they'll move off into a classroom or just stand over to the side and just pray right then and there because that's so important. Maybe you need to give or serve. And next Sunday, we're going to give generously. Most of you know that next Sunday we're having our special offering in honor of the 60-year anniversary of the Mechanicsville Church of Christ. And we want to raise $60,000 over and above our regular giving. And you're going to have an opportunity to participate in that. And following our services in the morning, we're going to end up giving of our time, as Will shared. And we're going to host a light lunch and offer a food packing event with International Disaster Emergency Services. And in a few hours together, we're going to package 25,000 meals that will help change the lives of hundreds, if not thousands, of people. So let me ask you, are you in community? Are you in community with God? Are you in community with others? Those are questions that you need to wrestle with. But as we close today, I'd like for us to move into a, a time of silent prayer. And I'd like for you to just go ahead and bow your heads, and I'm going to go ahead and share some things for you to be thinking about and for you to individually lift up to God in prayer. As you come to the Lord in prayer, would you take the time to focus on God as your Father, to praise Him for some aspect of who He is? Maybe, maybe it's God our provider or God my shepherd. And surrender your will to His and you, His kingdom, your kingdom for His. Would you do that? What need do you have that you need to ask God to provide? Who do you need to forgive? What temptation do you need protection from? And as you continue to foster a closer relationship with God, what is He calling you to do 
in order to have closer community with others in his church. Father, we just come to you right now thanking you. Thanking you for community with you. Uh, that puts us in uncomfortable situations at times. Because even though you are a great God, you are also a very uncomfortable God. You call us to do things that we never thought possible. You challenge us to walk by faith and not by sight. And you challenge us to do it together with people who sometimes, at least on the surface, are nothing like us, but who share that same allegiance to you and fear of what you have in store for us. Help us to walk by faith, not by sight. Help us to walk in community with you and communion with you closely. But Lord, draw us even closer together so that in turn we can be powerful witnesses for you wherever we are whoever we interact with, all for your glory and for your kingdom to come and your will, not ours, to be done. I pray in Jesus' name.